Declare your spiritual resolve. As reading in some of the information I want to share with you tonight in this uh, moment that we have together, every time the Word of God is delivered, this book right here, it is power, it is food, it is resource, it is inspiration. This is what we believe, the Word of God. It's right here. If you pay attention to it, it will do something wonderful just reading the Word. Somebody said, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. Your spirit man's smarter than you are. He understands it. He understands it. You feed him, and eventually you'll have an understanding. But in my reading in Paraguay, the Paraguayan government bans what is considered to be gender ideology in schools where you might say, well, what is that? This is recent. Actually, it simply means that traditionally we have believed that a man was created by God and a woman was created from the best rib that a man had. Y'all with me? Come on now. The best rib that a man had. The best rib is not the top rib. It's not the bottom rib. I mean, if you ever get a side of ribs, you'll notice that. The best ribs located about right here. Strong, vibrant, forceful, sassy. Well, ribs don't have personalities, but. <laughs> but since she's created from the rib of man, I got to tell you, it had to be a sassy one or a saucy one. God did it. So what are the responsibilities outlined here? If you take a look at the last chapter of Proverbs, it gives you an idea and says, okay, you women, listen to this. I want to be a Proverbs, have you ever heard? I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. I want to be that kind of a woman. All the recourse that is dedicated to men and say, that's the kind of man I want to be, a godly man. It's recorded in the Scripture. Well, here's what the government says we want to bar and ban any distribution of materials that would identify what a woman and responsibilities are what a man. We want them to be seen as one. Well, let me just tell you, any sight-seeing individuals can take one look and realize that men and women are different. That's not bad. That's not bad. My research and study, lady in England, she has blonde hair, blue eyes. She has light skin. She's chosen to be a dark-skinned individual with a total change over a period of time. She said, though I was born in a white body, I am a soul person on the inside. May I say something to you? God doesn't make any mistakes. Amen? He didn't make any mistakes. But if you listen to the crazed culture in which we live, you'll be so confused and so frustrated, and you listen to this news channel and that news channel and listen to that news channel, including Fox, and you'll be one more confused individual. But here's the bottom line. This is purity right here. It gives you the straight of it. It is clear. It is decisive. It is the Word of God. If you pay attention to this, then you'll be just fine. And so the Paraguayan government says we're not going to distribute any more material that is considered to be uh, gender ideology. 
we're not going to do that. We want you then, where will the influence come from? It will come from culture. Culture does not build up individuals and take them to a higher principle of holy or godly living. Culture, by virtue of sinful nature, will take you down a path of destruction. And that is so very, very unfortunate. Our text is a parallel in the ministries of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Isaiah, the great prophet. It is a determination that is exhibited in the Scripture that you read, well, boy, that's Isaiah, and that is the person of Jesus Christ, and there are similarities that are there. Isaiah 50, verse number 7 says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, Isaiah says, I will not be disgraced. In other words, my job as a prophet is to share the news, to tell it like it is, right straight from the throne of God as he impacts me. And because of the sovereign Lord helps me, I'll not be disgraced. And James writes, who is the brother of Jesus, says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered, those that have persevered in their faith. And today the margins are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. There is one quote that an individual made this statement. He says, many of those in the homosexual lifestyle, for example, are coming out of the closet and culture are taking the hands of Christians and making them go into the closet. I declare to you that there is a day when truth and judgment will be revealed. And this day is the day of the Lord in which you and I do not have to be confused. We do not have to be afraid. We do not have to run. We do not have to hide because our God stands strong and he is sovereign in that which he teaches us and encourages us in the way that we will live. So everybody's under the gun. And the Revelation speaks in 1211, they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, that's a great scripture, blood of the Lamb which was shed on the cross of Calvary there on Golgotha and by the word of their testimony. But there's something else that that verse continues to say. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, they did not run. They did not hide they did not bow down to Baal. They stood firm in their convictions and solid on the Word of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, my dear brother, stand firm and let nothing move you. So the church today, the church today, if and when the church decides to try to allow the culture, dictate the principles and the doctrines of their organization, we are all in trouble. But if the church unashamedly and genuinely in compassion states the Word of God is the guideline for all decisions and all matters and not a Supreme Court or not another court, but this word right here is the final word that we have. The church will be okay. There will be battles. There will be conflict. There will be death threats. There will be great difficulties. But in the end, the church of Jesus Christ will stand strong by the grace of God. We know that. So where do we live? How do we manage? 
the text today, I love the word agitator. How many of you know a person that's a bit of an agitator? Yeah, if I see you have your hand up, Dan, yours, God bless y'all. They're both agitators. They say they learned it from me, but you can't tell either one of them anything. Agitator. They're good agitators and they're bad agitators. Do you know that? Here it is. An agitator goads, impels to action, and presses forward. Oh, yes, we can. Get up off that ground. Shake it off. Get up and let's go together. Stand firm in your conviction. Don't become weary in well-doing. Come on, take your sword out and be ready to fight like a godly man. Be an agitator of the faith. Isaiah 50, verse number 4, here's what he says, The sovereign Lord, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He said, He wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. He says, God of gods, the agitator, keeps my ears sensitive to hear what he has to say and causes me not to be weary in what I declare. Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12, verse number 1, throw off all the things that hinders you from being a godly agitator and run the race with perseverance that is marked out to you. What is your race? What is it that God wants us to do? It's to do everything that we can and spend ourselves for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not playing church. We're not paying the bills here to keep the electricity on so we can save Victory Church. We are interested in having a face-to-face battle with the powers of darkness and not back down and declare it doesn't matter what culture may dictate or the Supreme Court or anyone else. I'm telling you, he rules, he is sovereign, he is God over all, and we declare it by the grace of God. From our children's ministry to the care ministry and everything in between. Somebody say amen out there. First Peter, who's another individual that was a great agitator, First Peter 1.13, therefore prepare your minds for action. Get ready, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Get your mind together. Have a made-up mind. Have a made-up mind. Don't let every little whippy thing get in your way as a follower. So you have a good example. It's the Apostle Paul. It's Acts, the 13th chapter. Paul and Barnabas were called to Paphos. Sirius Paulus, the governor, wanted to hear Paul's message. By Jesus, of course, a fake prophet and a saucer stood in Paul's way. Paul said, okay, that's the government. I understand. That's the authority. That's the power. Those are the men who have control over government and social issues. And this is what he did. It didn't bother him. And in Acts, the 13th chapter, verse 9, Paul pressed forward and said in Acts 13, 9 this. Let me tell you something. You are a child of the devil. You talk about calling somebody out. You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceits and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Flat nailed him. Nailed it by the grace of God. 
That's what Paul did. He stood in the midst of a very aggravating conflict and did the work of God. You see, an agitator for good will remain confident in God's power, focused upon the truth, and unmoved by the challenge that they might face. Acts 13 tells us, verse number 11, in the Living Bible, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and you'll be blind. This is what Paul shares. You will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season, and immediately the, the, there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. How many of you know God is in the reckoning business still today? In Jesus' prayer, in the garden there of Gethsemane, he faced an angry mob. He stated his claim as an agitator. And as in Isaiah, which prophesied, Isaiah 50, verse 17, Jesus said, and I set my face like flint. I set my face like flint. We were talking earlier today in a little dialogue Jeff, his sons were athletic. Brent's very athletic. Played on travel baseball teams and those kind of things. And, and uh, a lot of times, have you noticed that often, in, even in family sports now, Wednesday night, who knows anything about Wednesday night? You know, that's, hey, we got, got we play anymore. It's Sunday. All kind of things. And Brent was a good player, a good athletic person. Jeff will try to say that he got that from him, but it's not true. He got it from Jairus. She's a quiet meat gal, but very, very athletic. You agree, don't you, Jeff? He said, when Brent played ball, his coaches knew. His travel coaches knew. If you're going to play during church time, I won't be there because my daddy wants me in church when the doors are open. You know what that was? That's setting your face like flint and said, Brent, I'm going to teach you a principle that will be with you the rest of your life, the priority in our eternal life is church amen some of you are guilty but you can say amen anyway here's number two be a contender for the faith be a contender for the faith isaiah 50 verse 5 the sovereign lord has opened my ears and i've not been rebellious say that with me i have not been rebellious say it again i have not been rebellious i have not drawn back I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, and I did not hide my face from mockings and spitting. When you contend for the faith on the job, you contend for the faith upholding the truth. This morning, I had a person that came up to me after the second service and said, I want you to know, and I get really nervous when I hear these conversations, you saved my life. You stood in the gap, and you kept loving me, kept coming after me, and you saved my life. I owe my eternity to you. 
I said, no, that's to God. But everybody understands. But he's the same person who told me one time, get off my back. Get off my back. Religion is not a public issue. Well, that's a culture that's a dark culture that said it's not a public issue. It ought to be. Salvation ought to be a public issue. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Everybody. When you contend for the faith, it was Paul to Timothy 4, 6, and 7. I'm ready to be sacrificed. I'm ready for my life to be poured out. He said, my time for my spirit to be released from my body is at hand. I'm soon going to be free. I have fought a good fight, worthy and honorable, a noble fight. I have finished the race, and I have firmly kept the faith. That's the example in Acts 6, verse number 7 of Stephen. Stephen was preaching in Jerusalem. Some of the Jewish priests became converted. Stephen was not a preacher. He was a layperson. We notice that other priests lied about Stephen, and he was arrested. Not only that, his life was on the line, and he challenged them. He could see with spiritual eyes the imps and the demonic forces that came against him. He knew that if he kept talking, he in fact would bring displeasure to God, but if he kept talking, he knew his life. Remember what we said to begin with, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, but they did not shrink back from death. Stephen said, I won't shrink back. So he actually said, Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Always resist the Holy Spirit. There was a student in the United Kingdom just in the last month. He was expelled because his master's was in sociology and social work. And you might remember that last year, there was an individual, her name, in fact, in September uh, was uh, a story of the Kentucky clerk, Kim Davis, who had gone to prison for declining to personally sign same-sex marriage certificates. So recently, that hit his Facebook post, and he made a statement on there and said, I understand why she would do that. I understand that, that this is what the Bible says, and he quoted verses on his Facebook post and shared what the Word of God was. And over a period of months and months, individuals read that post. It resurfaced again until finally the administration of one of the largest, best prominent universities in the United Kingdom came to his attention. And they called him in and they said to him, we have read your post, and as a result of your post, we feel that your entry into the master's program, and he was almost complete with the program, in your views will not work in the field of social behavior, because your opinion in some areas is wrong. And they said, you are now dismissed from school. Give us your library card. Your number for the computer system is now taken away, and he wound up 
out of school. He reached out and got, of course, to some of those that are in Christian law, and they went to bat for him. And he stood before the ruling agencies, and after presenting his case, he still lost. He still lost. But the reality is, his statement was, I'd rather lose and stand on the truth of defending my faith in Jesus Christ about what the Word of God than to not share what I felt God told me to share in Christian love and be quiet about it. As a result of that, my friend, God is bringing to pass a mighty revolution in that area of Christians who are willing to stand with Him. But it will never happen unless someone was not willing to say, this is what I feel and the truth and the Word of God, and I contend for the faith. Stephen said, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts, you're like everybody else in the culture. And as a result of that, Stephen was stoned and he died contending for the faith, a true contender for the faith. In fact, will tell the truth not be afraid to die for the truth and be motivated be motivated to face adversity winston churchill said success is not never final and failure is never fatal it is the courage that counts courage does the church have courage to contend for the faith well i'm not going to go out of my way if the light gets dim how shall those that are lost and blinded by the powers of the enemy ever see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How shall that be? What shall Victory Church do? What do we do? For example, next Saturday, we're there in the midst of that darkness at the Dream Center. We're going door to door. You say, I've done that before. We keep going door to door because you know who we are. We, can, we contend for the faith. We offer help. We offer a hand. We offer love, but we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Jude, Jude 3, Jude 3 says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write, eager to, write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. He entrusted us with this godly message to stand for it. And God tells Isaiah, when I came, when I came, here it is, why was there no one? When I called, why was there no one to answer? Was my arm too short to ransom you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? By mere rebuke, I dry up the sea. I turn rivers into a desert. Their fish rot for lack of water and die of thirst. It declares, why should you shrink back ever from contending for contending with the truth? Where was a person when I needed them. No one answered me when I cried out. It was the case of the individual that was reported out of Hyderabad. It's the pastor, Abe Sagar. He's 37. A couple of weeks ago, he was speaking in his church. But in fact, an individual came, a Hindu extremist group, 
came into his service and taped by phone his message. Before that message in, that man that got up, before it ended, 25 Hindu extremists came to the church and said, can we see you when service is over? He said, sure. They took him, took him into another church, into a place where no one could hear, and they literally tortured him and beat him unmercifully as a result of declaring that he should not speak about Christianity, that he was an agitator for Christianity. The reality of the matter then in a lifeless, almost lifeless body took him to the police station and pressed charges against him and did not allow the police to offer him medical help. It's only by the grace of God, only by the grace of God that he lived. He said, I have forgiven the attackers, and I'm praying for them every day. I screamed the whole time. They were torturing me and beating me. I kept screaming, hallelujah, 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 but no one could hear me. You hear that expression, don't mess with Texas. Don't dare think anyone is going to lay a hand on a person contending for the faith and get by. A day of judgment is coming to the past cultures, the present culture, and the future cultures in our world. When I called, there was no one there. How sad. We understand that Stephen, of course, was in fact stoned. And then we go because we understand that Isaiah said there was no one there. And he declares, I shared the testimony. What is it that is upon us? It is the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 50, verse 8, he who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let's face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. I am ready. Paul said it. I'm ready to be offered. Jesus said it. Isaiah said it. Bring my accuser. I'm not backing up. Finally, stand upon the faith that you have. Stand upon the faith. Believe in God. Isaiah 50, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. But now, all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you, have, what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. So we look at the holidays coming. It's going to be Jesus all the way. Satan has declared and stated his claim over and he's after our young people. He's after our truth. He's after the core principles of how we live. His goal is to destroy, to kill, and to confuse, and to frustrate and cause us to cave. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, 10, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Therefore, Put on the full armor so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, simply stand. 
But God has not called us to failure. I read another story, how interesting is it, of a group there, the appeals court in Maryland, rules the Veterans Memorial excessively entangles government with religion. Here it is, a Veterans Association. Simply the Fourth Circuit Court of the Appeals has ruled that a Maryland Veterans Memorial in the shape of a cross violates the Establishment Clause of the U.S. Constitution because it excessively entangles the government with religion. Both of the judges are non-believing judges. Both of the judges are almost of Antichrist, do not allow God in anything. This is a 40-foot-tall cross that has been there by the Veterans Association for a long, long, long time. And now they're told it's coming down. It's coming down. Who would have ever believed that you'd have individuals kneeling on a ball field when we're singing a national anthem? You know the only thought to that kind of behavior is not government. It is a strong church of God-believing people who will not run from the challenge at hand, but will stand strong by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. Isaiah, the agitator for the faith, the contender for the faith, and the person to stand on the faith, having done all, what are you supposed to do? You are supposed to stand. So Isaiah 51:11, the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, even I am he who comforts you. You know what he said? I'm on my throne. You remember the story of the Colorado Christian baker who was, in fact, asked to make a cake for what is a same-sex marriage, and he said that he refused to do it. He went all the way and is at the Supreme Court. Does he have a right in his business to say, I will not bake a cake for a same-sex marriage? Last week or the week before, he got another request, a very serious request. He'd say, I'd like to get a quote on a birthday cake for a special event. It was in an email. It's a cake that is religious in theme. And since religion is a protected class, I'm hoping that you will gladly bake this cake. As you see, the birthday cake in question is to celebrate the birthday of Lucifer or as they are also known, Satan. I thought I would seek you out to bake this cake since you appear to be a very moral person, since you refuse to bake a cake for same-sex couples. And since religion is a protected class, I hope that you will be willing to bake this cake so that my small group of religious friends can celebrate the birthday of Lucifer this coming November, just a few days after Halloween. I would like the birthday cake to be decorated with an upside-down cross under the head of Lucifer. Who in their right mind 
would make such a request. Where do those kinds of things come from? The college classroom? No. It could. But it comes out of the same spirit that confronted Jesus Christ and his ministry here on earth. It's the same pull of the satanic force that comes against you every single day. It's that same temptation, that same influence of an ungodly culture that desires not necessarily to run us off, but just keep us quiet or to create us so that we live a spineless Christian life. Or we create a life and say, I just want to make it. I don't want to just make it. I don't know about you. I want to do something while I'm here. Somebody say, amen. I, I'm still in concern. We have the walk. We have the walk, the what we call the abortion, life walk, coming up again over at Lake Hollinsworth area. I still believe that God is displeased still for unborn babies that are being murdered. How do you feel about that? I still think that is a sin. And it will always be a sin. Why? According to this book. But culture will wear you down, wear me down, will wear us down until it is an accepted behavior. I'm telling you, this book does not lie. Amen? So as we stand and we contend and we establish our testimony in faith, I'm not interesting in making everybody mad. I'm not talking about you go out there and you get in the face of people and say, you're dead wrong and this is right and this is what. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about, if you're living right, there will be enough that will confront you that you'll have to make a decision every single time. I can either run from this, I can either shrink my shoulders like this, I can turn or walk away, or I can stand there under the anointing with a good compassionate spirit and say, no, I don't see it that way. And I base my, my eye on my idea and my opinion on this book right here. This book is life and it is powerful by the grace of God. That's where we stand as a church and as a Christian individual. It is our only hope. I ask myself, Jeff Sellers, brand new grandbaby, first boy. Brody, the NICU unit. Thank God he's still critical, but he's stable and he's coming out. And we believe that it's just God's going to miraculously touch him. But here's what I ask myself. When little Brody becomes a 10 or a 12 or a 15-year-old, what kind of world is he going to live in? What kind of culture is he going to face? And the only way he will survive and others like him and our children today in the schools and in the universities is for Jesus Christ to be a part of his life from the very beginning. My grandson, Benjamin, Michael's here, his, his son. He's still your son, right? Benjamin. Benjamin is University of Florida. It's a wonderful school. They have a rotten, well, anyway. <laughs> and he can tell you, he knows when he gets a text from me or his gram. He knows that when we call him up, we're going to tell him every single time, hey, Ben, you're doing your devotions? You're going, you're going to church, right? Yes, sir. 
You go into the prayer meetings on campus by the church there in Gainesville? Yes, sir. You're keeping the faith, right? Yes, sir. You're not letting a professor give you evil influence? No, sir. You might say, well, you think you get tired of that? Who cares? How many understand what I'm talking about? Nobody gets tired of saying, why don't y'all come over and let's barbecue? Hey, y'all come over and let's barbecue. Y'all come over and let's have dinner. Y'all come over and let's have a steak. They don't get tired doing that. And the greatest food in the world is the spiritual food. And if you and I as individuals don't contend and be standing on our faith, then we'll have a generation that will slide by. I say we stand up and we remind and remind and remind and remind and remind and remind and remind until it is so deeply embedded in them that God will hold them accountable for their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's enough. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the good news. I thank you for the truth. I thank you. We don't want to be weak, anemic Christians. We don't want to be a half-hearted church. We don't want to just exist. We don't want to just say, oh, look at the good things that we're doing over at Victory Church. Look at the money they give to missions and the missionaries. Oh, they're a great church. Look at the Dream Center that was initiated out of vision from Victory Church. How wonderful is that? God, we're in a serious battle. And that battle is not for us to look good or smell good or walk straight. It is a battle to say to the enemy, Satan, you are a liar in the name of Jesus and yet have the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ, who when he was battered and bruised and beaten, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. Even though he knew they were fulfilling biblical prophecy, he said, they don't understand. Our goal is to not run afoul. Our goal is to not be in the ditch. Our goal in Jesus' name is to believe that God has power and anointing and can rescue us out of the fray. But God, we also have to not be afraid to give it everything we've got. Not be afraid of public opinion. Not be afraid of the opinion of those who might differ with us where we work. We do not want to shove it down their throat. We just simply want to live it. And when it comes time for us to be able to talk about it, we talk about it by the grace of God. I pray for every son and daughter and grandchild tonight. Of those in this room, I pray that if they're not right with you, Jesus, that somebody where they live in their area, somebody in their classroom, will let the name of Jesus slip out of their mouth and may speak to them. If they're not right with God, let somebody live a life in a way that they'll say and say, that reminds me of my mom, or that reminds me of my preacher, that reminds me of my dad, that reminds me of my grand, that reminds me of my grandmother, because they'll never be able to get away with it or away from it until there's somebody who just will, just will be quiet. We cannot afford to be quiet. We lift your name up and we declare your victory that's only found in Jesus. So those of you online, and those of you in this room, let's get our hearts right with God. And would you repeat this prayer with David? Would you do that, dear Jesus? Dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me 
I believe by faith. I believe by faith. That you died for my sins. So I'm coming clean. Here am I. There is no closet that I choose to hide in. I ask you now, by the light of the Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Forgive me of every sin. I pray for my nation. I pray for my family. I pray for my church. I pray for my children. And I pray, Almighty God, pray, Almighty God that you will anoint them, will anoint them and bring them closer to you and always remember to stand on the Word of God. This is my prayer, and I declare it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and just thank God, shall we? Here's what the Word says. The Word says if you're sick or you need prayer, Come on down. Let God heal you. Anoint him with oil. Don't rush it. Anoint him with oil. Anoint him with oil. Representative of the Holy Spirit. That's what he says that we do. We don't run from that. We stand on the word of God. So if you need prayer or you prayed that prayer and you say, I've just got a need. I'm believing God. I can't tell you what God did in the services this morning. My Lord, have mercy. One precious lady said, all the, my life I thought I was saved until today. But today I got saved. Thank you, Jesus. All the grace of God. All the grace of God. So we're going to sing. If you need prayer, you come before we give the benediction. Would you do that?